1: Is this the end of the CFI era in crypto, and is DeFi actually ready to step up? Welcome back to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Elaine Lee, your friendly crypto host and producer. I'll discuss this with Adam Levine and Shingo Levine from Ethos. Welcome to the show, gentlemen.
0: Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us.
1: Okay, now, before we get into the interview, we need to take a look at the latest price analysis. We're seeing a bit of pullback today. Some investors might have decided to take profits after the recent rally. The total crypto market is down some 2.5%. Take a look at the chart that we have up here. Bitcoin is trading lower at some 1.5% on the day. It fell to around 22,500. So it remains up some 7% on the week though. And according to an analysis by CoinDesk, Bitcoin is ripe for an even bigger rally. If history is any guide, and sometimes, well, it isn't. The recent upswing looks similar to the bull revival of mid-2019. Back then, Bitcoin surged by almost 250%. Meanwhile, Ether continues its recent underperformance compared to Bitcoin. Ether is down some 4.5%, a much steeper drop than Bitcoins. And unlike Bitcoin, Ether is now in the red on a trailing seven-day basis. That's despite data showing ETH has once again turned deflationary, according to data from Ultrasound.money, cited by Coindesk, nearly 15,000 ETH has been burned in the past seven days. Ether's net issuance has dropped to minus 0.08%. One final token that we're looking at is Aptos. It's a cryptocurrency that emerged from Facebook's failed attempt to its own digital currency. The project has been gaining traction lately. The APT token is the best performer today. Take a look at that chart right there. It's up more than 120% on a trailing seven-day Basis. All right. That's a lot from the price action there, but we're keeping it up to speed with you for a market that is up and live and well, 365 days, seven hours a week, seven days a week. So, okay. Viewers. um, Okay. To join us in the conversation, please put down your questions in the chat, wherever you are watching on discord. Hello. And GM to our pro crypto discord users and on YouTube. Good morning to you. Wherever good afternoon, wherever you're watching from, we'll ask the best questions on air later on in the show. Remember, The Real Vision members take priority with their questions, but the good news is that membership is free. Now, with that being said, let's bring in our guests, um, Adam and Shingo Levine, who are co-founders and co-CEO of DeFi Platform Ethos. Um, Good morning to you, gentlemen.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us.
1: Now, let's address the elephant in the room. What's this duo right here, the Levine? So tell me about this relationship here.
2: (laughs)
0: Uh, well, I, I uh, Shingo's my son, uh, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I, I was in more of a uh, di- traditional businesses, I would say. I built a lot of mobile apps and platforms and uh, worked with telcos and brands and all the traditional things like uh, cash flow distribution, P&Ls, balance sheets, you know, uh, up until. And, and then when Shingo came along, he brought me into the world of crypto. He uh, started Eth- the Ethos out of his dorm room at Brown and uh, the, the the project just took off. We we initially built the uh, universal wallet, and got a hundred thousand users on that. And it was a very exciting project. So I, I worked directly with him, and we've been working together ever since.
1: Shingo, anything yeah. to add here? How did you drag him in?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we I've always found crypto very fascinating, and you know, we've been in the crypto space for for quite some time now. You know, we've uh, we built Ethos 1.0 back in 2016. And a lot of those people that we, that we brought into that, that project, you know, formed the initial community around, uh, around ethos, you know, 1.0 and then Voyager, and now, you know, where we're relaunching ethos. So we're, we're really excited to be able to bring back, uh, ethos and to, uh, use our sort of collective experience to, to build something new.
1: Right. And how do you run a company as father and son duo? You know, some might say it's a nightmare at the dinner table or some might say, you know, it's a, I would say, you know, when there's a sort of connection like that, you, you know, you sort of catch each other at the right time. So um, how do you, how do you run a company as father and son?
2: Well, the work never stops, you know, because we can't, uh, we can't ever escape each other. But uh, the, but the Tries we might. Know, I, I'd say we, <laughs> but I would say that we work together very very effectively and uh, and and also what's very helpful is that we have different sort of areas of expertise uh, and uh, I, I would say I'm more crypto focused and more you know, technology focused while Adam's more business strategy and uh, uh, sort of has more entrepreneurial experience so uh, t- the combination works very well. I'd also add
0: that you know something that's important to us, especially in ethos two, is ethics and trust and building that you know trust with our with our community and our users. And so starting with a core of a relationship at the center where there's a high degree of trust, I think helps with that uh, culture and 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 that uh, and that
1: mindset okay so corporate governance and i would say trust is very too uh, important words in the time of this crypto space right now so how did ethos coming uh, you know came about how did ethos come about and what exactly are you offering to users
0: well we initially started ethos in in 2016 and the vision was making uh, crypto open safe and fair for everyone the first product was this universal wallet where we uh, At the time, there weren't a lot of easy-to-use wallets, and so we built a self-custody wallet that supported over 200 cryptos and a back-end platform called Bedrock that could let people build applications on top of that wallet. Uh, we we did a reverse triangular merger with another entity to form Voyager, and we used Bedrock to lay down the payment rails for their centralized uh, brokerage, uh, automated deposit withdrawal, et cetera, and that processed about $5 billion in, in transactions. Uh, We left Voyager about two years ago. We had some disagreements with them on an ethical and also strategic sense. They really wanted to centralize everything. and We've always had a vision of decentralization and having people safe keep their own assets and controlling what they want to do with their own uh, money. And so now we've started Ethos to build uh, kind of a next generation self-custody and financial services platform where everything remains under the user's control at all times. And and I I think we're trying to to bridge the gap to the next billion crypto users by making self-custody very, very easy, yet highly secure.
1: Yeah. And we'll dwell, uh, sorry, you wanted to jump on in?
2: Oh, sure. I think that in many ways, the industry hit peak centralization with the collapses of all these centralized places and all these centralized crypto lenders you know, simultaneously collapsing. And I always tell people that that, that's not an issue with crypto, it's an issue with centralization. And it's an issue with how the industry was structured. Um, And what's needed in the industry now is decentralized alternatives, you know, and it's really that that's our motivating factor is we really feel that customers deserve better, the industry deserves better. And, uh, and the company, the industry needs more uh, ethical and decentralized players in order to uh, fill the gap left by all these centralized collapses. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Well, talking about centralization, um, centralized exchanges uh, collapsing. I do want to dwell, uh, dwell and talk about a little bit more about Voyager. Um, Voyager bought Ethos Tech back in 2019. Now you're relaunching separately from Voyager. Shingo, um, you was the director and CIO at Voyager. So tell us about your time there and why that particular business model failed.
2: Sure. It, so when we initially met Voyager uh and we're looking at the synergy between the companies it made a lot of sense on many different levels you know ethos had a lot of crypto technology and voyager basically had no crypto expertise within the within the company and we told them look if you, you guys can either choose between being a sort of another one of those fiat brokers out there of which you're going to be competing with you know many of them or you can be a real crypto broker you can have real crypto functionality and you'll be different from everybody else you'll be several years ahead of Robinhood. you'll be able to compete with coinbase and uh, and to that to, to the extent that uh, sort of they, they believed that 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 was actually true. And uh, the the bedrock technology which powered the universal wallet uh, ended up being uh, a big differentiator for Voyager and helped them scale. Uh, we helped them launch the first version of their app and helped them scale to you know millions of users. Uh, but it was when we saw what they were doing with that centralization that that it started to you know, raise some red flags with us and we, uh, we, 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 our vision ultimately was to create a uh, decentralized uh, plus fiat hybrid uh, that could uh, th- that that could give all the benefits of decentralization while simultaneously not exposing uh, customers to to the uh, to that risk of centralization and uh, and unfortunately, what's happened with this sort of shift towards centralization in the in the industry is that people have been choosing uh, security. Uh, or convenience over security and and there's been a lot of sacrifices that's that have been made um uh, in the name of convenience uh and i don't think anyone anticipated you know when when they were making those sacrifices that you know they would be losing the billions of dollars of customer assets would be wiped out but that's uh that's unfortunately what, what's happened and i think it illustrates the the reason that crypto exists in the first place i mean crypto was built out of this response to uh to, you know to over over centralization and uh and, and you know we need to bring it back to crypto's roots the core ethos of crypto you know that that uh, crypto was built to create decentralized systems and it was built to protect against centralized failures
1: yeah. And we'll dive a little bit deeper. I want to talk about convenience over security. We'll go through some of the security and self-custody shortly. Um I think I can make I, one more
0: comment on Voyager too, if I may, which is Voyager ahead. Voyager did a lot of things really well. They built a great app. They built it was really easy to use. They did a lot of volume. Um, they they you know managed all their treasury fairly well. They had a lot of great employees that did a lot of great work. And uh, unfortunately the pretty much uh, the the big failure was lending out customer money unsecured without the customer's knowledge or consent. That was the the dagger in that in Voyager's heart that that brought it down. We think there's a lot of positives to what Voyager did that we hope to learn from um, the of use of the app and the, the access to rapid trading, the clarity of you know steps to take to to, to conduct those trades. So we hope to take what worked from there and blend it with the next generation, you know, DeFi system.
1: Well, how's the bankruptcy process playing out in your opinion?
2: Uh, not great. <laughs> Poorly. Or to, 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 then that's putting it probably lightly. It's, it's um, great for the bankers and you- lawyers and not for everybody else. Yeah, the the creditors. Uh, you can ask any any creditor involved with the Voyager bankruptcy right now, and they will tell you about their dissatisfaction. Um, and we you know, we are creditors as well in in this situation, and uh, and we're not very happy with how how it's being run either. Um, and uh, and you know the creditors have seen their recovery diminish from what seemed initially optimistic in the you know seventy to eighty percent. Now people are talking about fifty one percent recovery. If the market goes down, it could go even lower than that. And you know, right now the the lawyers are asking for even more money to, for a wind down entity, and it's it's just not it's not a pleasant experience for anyone who wants who has money stuck with Voyager. And what's most unfortunate about the situation as well is that there's a lot of people out there who uh, couldn't afford to lose what they what they put in Voyager. And part of the reason for that was they they put money into Voyager that they thought wouldn't be at risk. You know, uh, it's one thing to, you know, for people to buy Bitcoin or buy Ethereum and, you know, to understand that there's a lot of risk that comes with that. There's a lot of risk that comes with owning crypto assets. But when people put money into Voyager and and partly due to Voyager's marketing, people thought that it wasn't risky. They put money into USDC and it would earn interest. And, the USDC was was stable and you would uh and, and people thought that that it wouldn't result in you know their money wasn't being lent out their and they saw FDIC insurance and they saw all these assurances and uh and they thought it would be safe. And and unfortunately that that affected a lot of everyday people who had saw their life savings being wiped out and the and and these are people who deserve to get their money back in, in the in the bankruptcy process. And it said in the, the app up,
0: you own two bit to BTC or whatever, you know, your asset were said, so you own. And in reality, the the hard lesson is that if you put your money on a centralized exchange, you don't own anything. You're an unsecured creditor of that exchange. And in the event that they can't pay you, you get in line with a bunch of other unsecured creditors to get, you know, some of it back. And I think that's ultimately what people have to understand about centralization is you don't own what you put inside that centralized institution And you're completely at the whims of the executives or CEO in terms of what they decide to do with it. And I think that was the very, very hard lesson that people uh, had with Voyager. You know, people have the right to take risks to chase return, but they absolutely have the right to know what those risks are. And, you know, undisclosed risks are just not acceptable, uh, in my opinion, when you're storing your assets in a centralized exchange.
1: Yeah, look, a hard lesson that I'm learning myself because I myself still have assets locked up in Celsius. Um, so I've been on your Twitter page and I'm looking at um, the, let me take a look at this. It is Ethos Recovery Airdrop. Tell me a little bit about that. What What is it? So it, 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 we've, if you look at the screen right now, we've grabbed this from your website. It says, yep. if you have lost money with Voyager as a creditor or a VGX holder, you may be eligible from an Ethos Recovery Airdrop. We are allocating up to 1 billion ethos to be distributed to those affected. No strings attached. And I think it's not only Voyager, it's also people in Celsius as well. So can you expand on that a little bit for me?
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we made a new token, and this token is going to be a loyalty token for the platform. Um, so we're not selling it. We're not you know, offering it up. We're making it available as a loyalty token within the platform to uh, that gives people discounts and benefits uh, trading and rebates and things like that as they use the platform. Uh, so it's, it's a token that's designed to encourage people to safe keep uh, and self-custodize their own assets and, you know, drive uh, a self sovereignty mindset in crypto. As part of that, we've allocated a big chunk of it for uh, people that were affected in the Voyager meltdown, uh, both creditors and VGX owners. And we're also uh, going to make Something available to Celsius owners as well. We set up a system where people can send in their uh, bankruptcy filings. We, we parse the information, validate that is accurate, and then once we do that, we put them in a uh, in a database with a certain amount of sort of virtual you know ethos allocated to them. When the app launches, we're we're building the app right now, and we anticipate it launching in Q2. Uh, people will be able to claim the the tokens and have them deposited into their ethos vault. Uh, inside the DeFi app
1: interesting to see uh that one plan out and i wish you all the best for that one um okay so let's go through some of the headlines that we want to talk about that's uh, trending all the crypto topics you know every day in crypto is so noisy one of the ones that we picked up as our top news story today is that reuters has an exclusive report on the crypto exchange binance the outlook says um the outlet says blockchain data shows binance process nearly 346 million for Bitslato. Don't really know how to pronounce it, but there you go with the funny uh, crypto names. Bitslato. That's the Hong Kong registered exchange whose Russian founder was arrested by US authorities last week. The US Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network says that Binance was one of the Bitslato's top three counterparties. A Binance spokesperson told Reuters via an email that it had, and quote, provided substantial assistance to international law enforcement to support their investigation of its lasso. The Binance spokesperson also added the company is committed to, and I quote, working collaboratively with law enforcement. So Adam Shingo, while the way Binance operates continues to attract scrutiny every day and sometimes pretty negative and bad headlines coming out of there, it remains unquestionably the largest crypto exchange um so according to coin in just in the last 24 hours finance processed nearly um as much trading volume as the entire dex space combined you know this just it's just revealing and tells us so much that so many people still use uh, centralized exchanges what are your thoughts on this um go ahead well, adam
0: I think there's two things in there. I mean, w- with regards to Binance's activity, I, I I don't want to comment on that because uh, Binance says that they're cooperating. I'm sure they are. I've always, in my experience, Binance has always operated in a very transparent manner and has run just a really strong centralized exchange. So were I to use one, I would, I would trust Binance. Uh, but when it comes to the volume question, I mean, yeah, the, you know, DEX is maybe 5% or so of the total volume of, of centralized exchanges, but that's what's part of what makes this opportunity exciting because uh, crypto tends to be very fad and trend driven. So you started with Bitcoin and then you had centralization, then you had Ethereum, then you had ICOs and you had NFTs. And I think DeFi is gonna be the next big wave. And you know, will it will it overtake and flip centralized volume? I don't know, but will it catch up? I mean, even if it were to grab say, 10 or 15 points of market share, that's an enormous, enormous shift to how people uh, you know, interact and trade. The, the, the daily liquidity available across the decentralized infrastructure, you know, plugging into exchanges such as, uh, you know, SushiSwap or Uniswap, there's like a ton of volume that goes through those, those exchanges. And, you know, Ethos is going to be one of many providers collectively plugging into that and making that available. And I think as you see, the sophistication of the infrastructure and the front end apps, you know, like, like the ethos DeFi vault start to, to, to spin up. I think you'll see a lot more people join that because it's essentially a choice between controlling your own assets or having your assets in someone else's hands. And it's a very simple and stark choice that people will make. And I, I I think what's held DeFi back thus far has been the complexity that you have to really, uh, if you go and try and conduct a, a, a Trade straight on the protocol. It's a lot of work, or you want to set up your own, you know, liquidity pool to get yield. It's a lot of work. But if if that if if people can get access to those protocols with the easier to use uh, layer uh, and a secure way to handle their keys, I think you're going to get a lot of people using that. That's that's my personal thing.
2: Another another thing I would say in that, too, is that DeFi is relatively new. Uh, you know, True DeFi has only existed for a couple of years. And a lot of the most popular DeFi protocols today are still very new. I mean, I I, I think back in anyone who was in the space sort of in 2017, 2018 can attest that back then there really wasn't DeFi. DeFi didn't really exist. And uh, in some ways, DeFi's rise is somewhat remarkable in how quickly it's it started to gain traction and how quickly... Uh, volume has been starting to, to shift over to uh, decentralized exchanges. Whether or not that uh, that volume will ever will ever overtake centralized exchanges, I'm not sure. But uh, it's it's definitely been been a larger and larger uh, sample and a larger and larger representative amount of the of the total volume in crypto. And I think that that trend is going to only increase. You know, and
0: if a DeFi if a DeFi robot says they're going to pay you back, they'll pay you back as long as the assets are still there. Unlike a human who uh, takes your, takes your loans and promises to pay you back, but they, the human can run off and hide somewhere the, uh, the robot can't, so yeah. I, I, DeFi and, held up remarkably well in this meltdown.
2: That, and that was something that was very interesting about uh, how the Celsius bankruptcy went down too, which is that uh, the loan, the money that was owed to the DeFi protocols got paid back first, so it's almost like the DeFi protocols were even above the secured creditors, you know the. Uh, because you, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do when you have a human counterparty, but when you have a robot counterparty, it's uh, the, you know, the robot listens to its algorithm and it listens to its code. And then that's, and that's sort of how, it's, how it works. And the robots asked for a collateral where many other companies didn't. Sorry, preferred investors, the robots are first in line now.
1: Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. You know, I'm always a fan of crypto analogies when it comes to explaining uh, to a normie like me how DeFi works. So, you know, I was obviously browsing through your website and one of the really bold claims that I've read on there was we will make DeFi easy. Um, Take a look right there. So how is ethos? planning to do this because it is no secret that some people don't even touch DeFi with the barge pole we know how difficult it is you know sometimes i've experimented in myself i'm sending things left right and center sort of have a little panic attack about like where have i sent this funny token i mean this is a it's 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 not an easy thing to do is what i'm trying to say so how are you guys at ethos planning to make DeFi accessible to the mass
0: i'm so glad you asked that so uh, so my whole life, I've been building consumer apps. That's basically what I've done is uh, we, we built hundreds of mobile apps. And um, that's always tried to you know have something that's simple and easy to use. And then Shingo spearheaded the Universal Wallet, which was, I think, a very easy to use wallet. And uh, the principles we're following around building this app is trying to make everything feel like a trading app, something that's familiar to somebody. So the center of the app is the vault and you, you secure your keys. We also have a unique method to shard backup and restore your keys in case you use it, uh, lose your keys. Uh, and also we're uh, using something that Vitalik Buterin has long espoused, which is a notion called social guardians where you can set up social guardians of your key. So if somebody tries to restore your key, the social guardians have to all approve that process. Um, so there's multiple layers of security and then and then we're using multi-party cryptography uh, essentially with the, the 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 sharding back of the keys to make the keys really secure. Once you trust the system and you trust your vault, then outside of that, we're building sort of a Bloomberg style trading app where you see you have a live market. It ticks every eight seconds along with the Ethereum 2.0 block and you can see opportunities uh, to trade. And, and we want to make everything feel like a trade. So it's not this open-ended, you know, trade anything or anything, but rather, well, I want to, you know, buy some, some BNB or I want to buy you know, some, some ETH across these decentralized networks. How do I do that? And you click, you see a price, you say, okay, I want to broadcast this trade. It broadcasts to the chain. If it's accepted, you get your successful confirmation, uh, back with the proceeds, similarly to yield opportunities. It will show you a list of yield opportunities, or if you want, you can roll your own and you can go make a complex, you know, you can sort of pick all the ingredients and bake your own yield cake uh so you have that complexity if you want it but if you don't want it you can go and see the yield structures that other people have done and just pick one of them for yourself so we're and all this is we through a ui that we've really polished and tried to make it very very easy so you just know what the next thing you're supposed to do in any given sequence um we will be probably releasing a, a public sneak peek of the ui next week um we're we're uh so probably by next week we're going to start dribbling out how all that's going to work, but it's definitely going to make DeFi much much more accessible than it has been in the past for people.
2: One thing I, I would add to that as well is the, there's been a big issue in uh, in DeFi which is what, what I like to call key anxiety, where you where you sort of have a key. Whether it's with Ledger, whether it's MetaMask, or whether any any number of other places, but it's it's a big burden that's placed on the user that uh, to in order to sort of manage, store, and deal with all the anxiety that comes with managing a key. And that's where we really started. We started with how do we remove that anxiety from the user? Because I think that anxiety is what drives people towards centralization, towards people who say, "Oh, I can never do self custody. I, I I'd rather use a centralized provider." or it, you know, self-custody self is too complicated for me, or I would just lose my key, or, you know, any number of other, you know, other uh, concerns that I, I think people can relate to. Uh, and, and even sophisticated users will often lose their keys. And people will look at all the stories of, you know, the guy who's still digging in the dump for his Bitcoin keys, or, you know, or, you know, there's, there's just so many stories of people who, who have lost their keys. And that and solving that problem, I think, was, was the was the center of it. And once you solve that problem, once you solve that problem, and you can remove that anxiety from users, and you have a system that's both decentralized and secure, but also easy to use, uh, and uh, I think that will that will open up the world of DeFi for so many other people, because then it, it lets the everyday customer then use all these sophisticated tools that are out there. Right now, all these all these DeFi tools are only accessible to those who uh, who who sort of can understand all that complexity. But if you remove that, it's, it really becomes accessible to everybody.
1: Mm. Feels like it is something that I sort of need to experiment with and really take it step by step before I give it a go because I'm so careful with dipping my toes into any app that is asking for my crypto at the moment. Um, I want to talk about... Um, A little uh, op-ed piece that you wrote for our friends at Coindesk back in November. Took a little read of it before we uh, came on camera. The title of the piece is called The End of Centralization Era in Crypto. Um, And this is it right there that we're putting out to the viewers. I mean, what made you both write that piece? What were the clear warning signals that you're trying to to send out here. And let me tell you one of the quotes that I've um, read that really stuck out to me is um, the bit where it says, we are once again at an inflection point where we as a community must defy centralization. We must defy corrupt CEOs who seek to separate us from our money. We must defy corporate secrecy, which has enabled corruption and recklessness paid on the customer's dime. We must want to return to crypto roots and empower individuals to wrest control of what is rightfully theirs. So I think let's start off with, I think this was just a few days after the FTX debacle where this was published. So what made you right there? What are the warning signals um, that you were trying to send out here?
2: I, I can start. And I... I Really, I've been a big believer in crypto. Like, I really believe in what crypto represents, the philosophy behind it, the ethos behind it. I mean, that's that's a big part of why we called the company Ethos. Um, Very good. And 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 in crypto's ability to to enable a positive change for the world. You know, crypto was built out of the 2008, you know, 2009 financial crisis, and uh, and it was built in response to corrupt centralization. And it's, it's almost ironic, you know, what's happening today because it's it's a lot of history repeating itself and crypto uh, is designed for people to be able to take back power from these corrupt uh, centralized institutions and put it in their own hands uh, and to uh, create an alternative financial system create an alternative asset class that uh, is more open safe and fair for everybody and that's that's really what uh, what crypto should be about and, and what people you know, entering the crypto space should really understand is that is that idea. And there's a big responsibility on, on the crypto community as well, because the crypto community is building a new financial system from the ground up. Where it's, it's a big responsibility, but a massive opportunity. It's a massive opportunity to make the financial system work for everybody. Um, and what we've seen with this, with this wave of centralization is it's a, it's a reminder of why crypto exists and it, to many people it's a warning about crypto but to me it's it's a, it's a it's a reminder of where crypto came from and why crypto is so important crypto was created to defy the centralized uh providers it was created to uh, cre- uh to build an alternative that uh that works for people who you know typically have been sort of stepped on and uh and not recognized by the financial system and that that's that's really why uh crypto needs to uh, and the crypto community needs to uh, shun centralization and move towards a decentralized alternative because de- in our view, decentralization is the only path forward to rebuild trust in crypto.
0: That's my boy. I agree hundred <laughs> percent And you know when we were going through I, we were involved all this uh, kind of cool project particle uh, where we were taking a, a banksy and dividing it into ten thousand little uh, particles we call them and let people you know buy little bits of it. And we were working with um this great law firm, McCarter Carter English, Ted Granite. And one of the things we were diving down is, so what does it mean to own something, right? What does it mean to own a little bit of a painting? And when you really actually double click on that concept of what it means to own something, it's like, well, you actually don't really own anything. It's like, no, 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 I own my house. Well, if you don't, you have the right to domicile that house and pay taxes, but if you don't, the government's going to take it back. Or, well, I own, you know, this my cash. Like, well, yeah, but somebody could do a lien on your bank account and take it out of there, or if the government decides you know whatever somebody sues you they could take so what do you actually really own right everything's kind of transient and you're sort of like possessing it but you don't really own it and i would argue that crypto is one of the few things you actually own because it's secured by uh, a, a key that only you have and that only you can can pull those assets out and no one else has control over it and that's what people you know the 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 Celsius and Voyagers and FTX took advantage of that magic, and you know, took all and also the confusion that comes with that idea, and took people's assets and basically stole them or 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 misappropriated them, I guess. And uh, uh, and and if crypto has the opportunity to let you truly own assets, not just Bitcoin or Ethereum, but anything that is tokenized and uh made available to people so that's why i think it's such a revolutionary concept still to this day that has enormous potential to transform people's lives if it's implemented in the proper way
1: Mm. well whilst you're both entrepreneurs that are building in the space we do have to talk about our next story um so the next story that we picked up that's making the circulation around the um crypto trend trending topics is um the ongoing challenges Uh, Crypto has with the regulators. Um, Circle, the consortium behind the USDC stablecoin, told the Financial Times that it didn't go public because of the SEC, not the difficult market conditions. SEC is the US Securities and Exchange Commission's uh, Circle says that SEC didn't sign off on its plan to merge with a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. SPACs allow companies to go public through a reverse takeover with the benefit of less security than a traditional IPO. A source told the FT a lot of time was lost after Circle initiated the process. The source also said that there was a lot of regulatory confusion. So when it comes to dealing with crypto companies back in 2021, um, that deal was worth $9 billion. So, guys, I want to get your take on this. This obviously continues to be a very difficult regulatory environment. There's new government bodies that's being looked over, regulation at the moment in D.C. How do you see this uh, play out going forward, especially in the context of DeFi?
0: Um, Shimla, I'll take the first stab at that. If I understand sure. it, what uh, Circle wanted to do, it w- they were sort of shortcutting the process a little bit. By uh, doing, you know, this back deal with another entity, I think it was Concord. So uh, by having an entity that they could sort of go public into, that would make it quicker for them to, you know, uh, make their shares available to the public. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know why the SEC said no, you can't do that. But I'm guessing that that doesn't preclude Circle from doing it directly themselves. I mean, uh, Circle is actually an amazing company that I think. Provides a really critical uh, uh, ingredient for the vision that that we have with uh, with DeFi, which is you know dollar backed stablecoin that you can use to uh, to to for tokenized assets. And the the thing that everyone always said when you wanted to secure assets, well, you can't do it with Bitcoin or Ethereum because they're volatile. And Circle kind of solves that problem with USDC and giving you sort of a stable dollar backed peg for all assets that you'd want to tokenize in the future. So I think just the fact that sort of the SEC shot down a SPAC deal with Concord, it doesn't mean that Circle won't be able to do what they want to do. They definitely have the the means and resources to to do this. So I would just say that I would look at this as maybe a temporary setback, if that.
2: And, and also I, I would reiterate too that the Circle is providing a very important uh, service for the for, for DeFi, which is the the decentralized stablecoin, and uh, and and I think that decentralized stablecoins are still very much in their infancy. Uh, where uh, Circle sort of the V1.0, and, so, and I think it's one of the best uh, the best implemented ones so far. Um, but I think that stablecoins are going to be one of the most important sort of foundational building blocks for whatever crypto looks like going forward, and even in the centralized world, it's, it's going to be important. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, circle is, uh, circle is not going anywhere. I, I would have liked to buy some shares if they actually did go public, but, yeah, uh, too. yeah, but, uh, but I mean, I, I think overall it's, it's probably, uh, you know, it, it's probably not going to have much of an effect on, on circle long-term and, and, um, and I look forward to seeing, you know, other things that circle is Circle is building and circles very much, you know, thinking about the, the, the future and where crypto is going right now.
1: Okay, good take from both of you. Um, another story that we picked up is uh, directly related to the DeFi world, actually. Um, so the FBI has confirmed that a notorious group of North Korean hackers was responsible for a hundred million DeFi hack back in June. The FBI says that the Lazarus Group, also known as APT twenty eight, carried out the attack on Proof of Stake blockchain platform Harmony. They targeted Harmonies. Horizon Bridge. FBI says earlier this month, the hackers attempted to launder tie, uh, launder the money through a rail gun privacy protocol. The FBI says that it managed to free some of the funds. I mean, this goes back to the story and question and security and complications of DeFi. Gentlemen, um, according to Forbes, uh, nearly $1.5 billion was stolen in the top five hacks last year, all on DeFi platforms. Uh, what are your thoughts on this going challenge?
0: very quickly. Well, I don't know about the other four, but the first one was on a bridge and bridges are notoriously insecure. It's like, let's carry our money across a bridge and hope nobody takes it. Right. So you're taking out of secure storage and transporting it somewhere. And that's essentially the best time to try and get at it. So I I think this is more an issue with bridge security than it is DeFi security. That's, that's my take on it. I know what you say. Well,
2: also I would add that a lot of the places where DeFi gets quote unquote hacked, is on the on the centralized pain points uh, in of DeFi and uh and you know this to me it's it's another yet another example of how centralization ends up being the bane of crypto's existence in many ways you know and all these the bridges are notoriously centralized you know and uh they they try to make it look like they're not as centralized as they actually are but uh, a lot of these, you know, a lot of the contracts and a lot of the the way that, that the bridges operate and are controlled are often centralized, and it's those centralized attack surfaces that uh, hackers are able to uh, exploit and uh, and use to to take funds. And so I, I think that really crypto, when when you're building anything in crypto, I think you have to think about what are the different centralized attack points that uh, a hacker is going to going to target, and uh, and those centralized attack points are often not as obvious to the average user as as uh, as you know, they they often should be, but um, I, I think uh, my my take is I think that this is yet another example of how centralization ends up causing harm to customers, and I think customers who are using DeFi products and are doing research into these things have to really understand where where is it centralized, because oftentimes those that's where uh, where they're going to be compromised.
0: Would you describe a bridge as a centralized exchange with big pipes stuck in it?
2: Well, it's not a, it's not an exchange in that it, it it oftentimes bridges aren't letting you sort of exchange, uh, you know, or trade the same way a centralized exchange would do it. But uh, a, a bridge is often bridges are often very centralized and they often are very uh, big attack surfaces for uh, for crypto.
1: Okay. Right, moving on to our final story. I've got to get through this because apparently from my producer on the grounds with our eyes and ears in all the interactive channels, we have a lot of questions coming in today. So um, very quickly, final story we want to look at today. German carmaker Porsche released its first NFT collection earlier on this week. And it's fair to say it wasn't a roaring success as the cars so are when it hits the road. 7,500 NFTs were available to be minted as a homage to the iconic 911 car. The price set at 0.911 a hey, roughly about $1,500 at the time. But according to Coindesk, only 12,000 NFTs were minted, about 16% of the total collection by Monday evening. Secondary market sales, also initially sluggish, but the floor price on OpenSea has reached about just over an ETH, 1.3, I think, 1.35. Also some criticism, there it is right there, also some criticism of the collection on Twitter. People weren't happy with the mint price um, and Porsche's strategy. There's also derivatives out there already on the go. Ugh, crypto space. It's not a crypto show. We don't talk about NFTs. Any thoughts on you both when it comes to big brands uh, entering into the Web3 space and the NFT market?
0: I'll take that one, Shingo. So I think it's a cautionary tale for brands. Uh, you know, if you're trying to do a now's not the time to do a money grab on NFTs, it's a great time to build up. Loyalty, and I, I would I would look at the le- I would look at NFT through the lens of loyalty, not licensing, and uh, not as a way to try and get another ancillary revenue stream which has risk behind it, but rather a way to connect with your consumers and your brand loyalty and reward those people that are loyal to your brand with something extra and unique and collectible, not you know trying to sort of get get something extra out of them. So I would look at it as something you you know you get a Porsche, you get some special one of a kind nft as a thank you for being our loyal customer that is a great lens for brands to look at uh launches and i hope this cautionary tale uh makes them think more that way
2: yeah and i, I would just very quickly answer that by saying I, I think that the challenges with nfts are sort of a microcosm of the challenges with uh, crypto generally and that uh you know, I hope that we're past the point where we where we're not sort of investing in fluff, we're not investing in sort of just you know puffery, but we're actually investing in real use cases. And there are real use cases of crypto, there are real use cases of NFTs. And uh, I, I would like to see the industry start to start to move towards that and and to really think critically about what what do we want to use this technology for and how is it gonna benefit people. And like Adam said, like think about how. Uh, how you can add real value to your customers, and you know when you add real value to your customers, oftentimes you're adding real value to your business as well. So uh, I would tell big brands to to think that way. Mm.
1: Uh, NFTs with real life utility be just like the RV NFT Genesis collection that we have out there. Hey, Sheila Clark. All right. <laughs> now moving on, uh, we have uh, time for some viewers questions. Now, before that, before we get to the goods and put out guests out there to answer all your questions, for those of you watching on the Real Vision website, thank you as always for joining us. Um, the show is created around our community. I'm not the expert in the sea. It's always how your hive mind comes together in this space. So if you haven't signed up, there yet please check it out on realvision.com forward slash crypto that's the best way to get early access to the real vision crypto content and it's always free and um, that's where we will release the latest RALs Adventures in crypto on Friday look at them there this time RAL interviews Mike of Galaxy Digital you don't want to miss that there were some bloopers that we slipped out of that one that was quite funny um, but but again, that's realvision.com forward slash crypto. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Hey, everyone. We're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Okay, on to our viewers' questions. Gentlemen, are we ready?
2: Let's go. Course, always.
1: All right. Nanaimo you know what this is a this is a twitter uh, engagement community member and i can't believe i actually can't save the username on air <laughs> nanemo trader oh my god this is embarrassing sorry on the rv website hello to you my dear um from canada i believe um isn't DeFi only as good as the code behind it how can someone be certain there is no backdoor or flaw in the code or am i misunderstanding how smart contracts work
2: no, that that's very uh, very good question, and it, it is very accurate. The the DeFi is, is only as good as the code that's behind it, and oftentimes people say code is law, although that's sort of fallen out of favor more recently. But uh, the the code will only do exactly what the code says it will do, and uh, and I would encourage people to only use open source uh, tools or open source uh, contracts when you're using uh, DeFi. Uh, so that you know, even if you're not going to be uh, independently verifying it, at least if it's open source, then other people who have the expertise to do so can independently verify it. Look for smart contract audits. Look for people who have you know looked looked at the code uh, because because that is really you know how as good as it's going to get. And even and uh, e- even when uh, the the code has been audited and has. Uh, you know has been you know looked at by other people, you know, it, there's still risks that come with that. You know, when we saw the the DAO hack, you know, back in, you know, early Ethereum days, um, the that, that came from, you know, even though all the code was open source, it came from a you know re-entry attack which had never been sort of done before. Um and uh and so there's always those that risks. But as the as the space continues to mature and as the code continues to develop, you know, those those risks I think will hopefully go down. Um but uh you know the, the same the similar kinds of risks exist for uh for for centralized exchanges just you know to i would argue to a much higher degree because then you're trusting the closed source code of however the centralized exchange chooses to operate okay uh
1: the next one comes from Who's dot crypto on YouTube? You've left us, but I hope you come back and catch up with the show a little bit later on. What can c providers do to compete with DeFi? Traditionally, UX has been the hurdle to adoption of DeFi, but I imagine that that will not take long to change. Um, slightly different perspective here.
0: Well, I mean, that's a I think centralized exchanges are going to have to have a DeFi offering with pipes between the CFI and DeFi offerings that let the users take assets under, under their control, you know, if, and when they want to, um, th- that was kind of what we, our, our vision for Voyager had been, which is to have a fluid way for assets to flow back and forth between uh, user control and centralized control. And I, I believe that that's going to become the norm that, that the uh, users will expect an easy on-ramp and off-ramp to a service where they can, keep assets under their own control in the event of a liquidity crunch on the uh, or security breach on the centralized exchange so i think that's where it's headed uh ultimately if you fast forward 5 10 years my guess is everybody will be doing that
2: yeah now i would say also that the trade off that people have been making with defi has been a trade off uh you know of security for uh, of convenience for security or sorry the other way around security for uh, convenience uh, so you had it right companies- convenience you're giving up, yeah, you're giving up your, security. security
0: so yeah. you can so it can be more
2: convenient, right? Um, and uh, that trade-off, uh, I think will I'm hopeful that soon it won't it will no longer exist. And also, there's also the trade-off of ease of use versus complexity, um, which you know, CFI has typically been easier to use, uh, and more convenient, and more accessible to people, uh, but once once those things change i think we'll see a lot more adoption of defi because the, those have been really been the major pain points that have been holding back defi um and once those are solved and once people see that defi doesn't have to be you know complicated that keys don't have to be overly burdensome that you that you get all the security benefits and uh control benefits when it comes to defi that just simply don't don't and cannot exist in cfi um then I think that people will warm up to the idea of you know doing more and more stuff on DeFi. And I'm hopeful that that will result in DeFi representing more and more of the crypto market.
1: All right. The next one comes from Gigi on YouTube. And thank God for our Real Vision uh, community members, especially this question. This is a great one. Question for Shingo. Will KYC be required for Ethos? Um, if so can users pass KYC forward slash AML with um, ZK tech, like PureFi protocol.
2: Yeah, It's very interesting right now because the DeFi space, I think is still developing from a, from a regulatory perspective. And you know, so Ethos is going to be a global app from day one. And the, the requirements are going to be, are going to differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But the way that Ethos is structured is it's, it's going to be a self custody system. So you have full control of your wallet over your keys, and you can move those keys to any other device. So KYC doesn't really make sense within that context. You know, the same way that MetaMask works. Uh, MetaMask, is, you know, doesn't do KYC because uh, you have full control and full autonomy over your assets, and MetaMask can't dictate what you can and can't do. So uh, from that from that perspective, you know, that's that's the way that uh, DeFi at least today is structured. Uh, I could see that changing, and there, there are people who are working on decentralized KYC, decentralized AML, and I think that that we will see DeFi move towards that direction. And it, and at that at the time when that happens, you know Ethos will be following you know, whatever the the regulatory guidance at that time is.
0: And I will also add that we will have uh, separate to KYC, we will have AML policies that where we will be monitoring and looking for suspicious activity, and we don't want. platform to become a conduit for for dirty money or terrorist activities or anything like that so we will definitely be having policies procedures around aml um, that is sort of separate to the whole kyc issue
1: okay next one comes from sean chambers uh from our friends on youtube again while yield farming inside the ethos wallet will the crypto involved still be in the custody of the customer
2: it's a great question well yeah uh, the, the short answer to that uh, is yes, y- yeah, you, you always will have uh, full custody of your crypto, but whenever you're participating in a yield uh, program, you know whether you know any kind of DeFi yield program it, The the DeFi protocols themselves are taking custody of your crypto and you know lending it out otherwise you wouldn't be able to do any any of those yields. So while you are retaining control of it, the custody is going to be with the DeFi protocols themselves. And uh and as a clear clarifier ethos is never going to be building a DeFi protocol. Ethos won't be operating DeFi protocol. So ethos will never be taking custody or possession of any funds ever. Um, but uh I think it's important for users to understand that when you are putting your crypto into a yield strategy or a yield protocol, you you are giving away custody of your crypto to that protocol. And there's, there's no real uh, way around that. The big thing is that it's going to be the user's choice. So, like,
0: if Voyager had told their customers, hey, I'm going to go lend your money to three hours capital, and I think I can get, like, a 10% return, and it won't be secured, uh, but would you like to do that? then they at least know, well, okay, I can choose yes or no if we want to do that, as opposed to having no choice and being told, well, your assets are safe and it's being lent out. So in the case of the, all the uh, yield farming within the ethos vault, that will be all you know, customer directed. They're going to look at each one and pick you know, which ones do they want to do. Do I want to do a basket? Do I want to do none? You know, That's going to be all up to them. So I think choice and control are really the key uh, things here.
1: Okay. Um, I think the final one for the day, it keeps coming. So thank you so much for being so interactive. Um, This community really is something else in the crypto financial space. Um, AA on YouTube is asking, does the team think that with all the bankruptcy uh, last year, will there be more focus on decentralized projects along the lines of Bitcoin? Thanks.
2: I hope so yeah i i sure i sure as hell hope so too you know the this this space needs more decentralized projects um, sure. and uh and i think the bankruptcies really just illustrate the the just the festering issues that, that have existed in crypto for so long and but what's nice at least about this and is that crypto has almost like a clean slate to to build back up from and yeah. we can choose as a community, what, what do we want to do? You know, as we said before, crypto is at an inflection point. Do we want to go down the same route that led us here in the first place? Do we want to, you know, go down the centralized route? Or do we want to try something different and see if we can build something that's better? And, and there's some and, great uh, projects I, I, out there. Yeah, like, like, and there's, uh, there's like just that. a lot of people building in the DeFi space right now too.
0: Like Derek's uh, steered up finance. I mean, there's some amazing decentralized stuff coming down the pike. Um, and by the way, folks, if you want to ask us questions directly, you can just come to ethos.io. We have a Discord channel, Telegram channel. Come in and fire away. We'll, we're both in there, and we'll answer whatever you'd like.
1: Adam, you come into my Discord channel.
0: <laughs> of course I'm going to your Discord channel.
1: Yes, uh, one day soon. And of course, if you own the RV entity, Shilla Clark, you are welcome to come into the Real Vision Discord channel. I want to what answer everybody's guys question. Like. Oh my lord! All right, so really good conversation. We went through a lot of things. Thank you so much for answering every one of those. Um, again, everybody who's watching, do your due diligence, your homework. You know, look at the risk factors that come with everything and anything out there to do with crypto. Um, Adam and Shingo, for your uh, give us your final thoughts and key takeaways from the show today.
2: Adam, or do you want me to go uh,
0: first? Well, I mean, I I I think the the takeaways are we, we do think that this is a new era in crypto where we believe you're gonna see a lot of interesting projects that take advantage of crypto's true nature of decentralization. And we think that a lot of people are going to understand the benefits of keeping assets under their own control and we'll see a new ecosystem evolve out from uh, the current DeFi infrastructure that, uh, and I I hope that builds a uh, next generation crypto ecosystem that's more robust and open and safe and fair for everybody,
2: and we're we're definitely you know tend to be uh, part of that. Uh, yeah. So go- what well, yeah. What I would say is that I think that right now is a time for reflection in the crypto space. Like, why does crypto exist? Why why are we doing all this stuff? Why are we creating this magic internet money? And uh, I, I and I think that there are very good reasons for why why we're doing this, and there's very good reasons for crypto to exist. And we need to go back to crypto's roots. What, you know crypto was created out of the you know, define the status quo, define centralization, and it was created to uh to to help people. It was created to uh you know uplift people around the world. And I think that we need to focus on that, focus on the true utility of crypto, focus on what uh on the positives of crypto and really choose as a community to 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 do better, to be better and to create uh, a decentralized alternative to the current financial system.
1: Yeah, no, uh, listening to you both, I hope we do get to spear ahead in the crypto space where people are safe and that we get to do DeFi with DeFi. Um, And I hope, you know, you both live up to, as builders live up to the name of your very company. Um, So it's been an excellent conversation with you both. And thank you so much for uh, for your time today. Thank you for coming on the, the show. It's a pleasure having you with us.
0: Thank you for having us. us. Yeah, you've been great. Really appreciate uh, this opportunity.
1: Thank you. Um, So for those of you watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. That way you will always stay up to date when you want to come and hang out with us at Real Vision with the latest crypto news and analysis, the people that we have to book in, the producers on the ground and all the interactive channels. If you're not a Real Vision crypto subscriber subscriber yet don't forget it's free head to realvision.com forward slash crypto and that's it for today we'll be back tomorrow with former fed economist turned investor joe zhao see you at 9 a.m pacific time 9 noon at eastern 5 p.m london live on real vision crypto daily briefing we'll see you all then